Welcome to episode 16 of Cinebabble, a very special episode of Cinebabble. I am Ken. This is my co-host, Clint. Hi, oh, this is Clint. Nice. That was good and enthusiastic yeah. again, too. I'm here. I like it. Chicken strips and backflips, Ken. <laughs> That's it. And that's my slogan. That's it. It's oh, movie wow. talking time. I'm all out of gun. <laughs> I love I'm it. Just throwing it out there. It's perfect. I, <laughs> I think you should come up with a new rhyme every week, and that should be your thing. Okay. I definitely, I definitely enjoy that. <laughs> you know, there there haven't been many trailers, but you know what I enjoyed last week was our little visit to the trailer trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I, I know we don't get to go today, but that was just, I'm looking forward to the next time I get to swing by. And, yeah, just and feel free. Hello, see if I in. knock on the door, see if I'm home. Huh. See right. if anything is out there we can talk about. I'm assuming it doesn't have a doorbell. I'll just, I'll, no. you know, kind of honk my horn it, next time I roll up. And it's barely a door. It's barely a door. <laughs> It's it's a sixty thousand dollars trailer. It resembles a door. Well, we got to cut corners somewhere. Well, so far we've got the one point five million dollars studio, a sixty thousand dollars trailer. And sixty thousand dollars doesn't get you much in trailers no, these days. No, it does not. It does not. Uh, speaking of cash flow, no cash flow. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, this development that will not provide us any cash flow, but you can now find Cinebabble online. We are at www.cinebabblecast.com. And you can go there. We're you coming can, for you, GoDaddy. You better believe. Uh, you can sign up just to, to receive the occasional notice when an episode goes up or things like that. You can check out what's coming up on the next week. You can listen to episodes. I think we're up to nine or ten different ways that you can listen to Cinebabble from Apple to SoundCloud to Spotify. I just got uh, us on Pandora. Oh, uh, did you? Uh, yeah. I've oh, been well, a little thanks busy. Thanks for telling me. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Really taking charge here. I appreciate it. <laughs> Co-hosts. Yeah. I'll make stupid theme songs and you can take care of that. But you can check out that website. You can also interact with us at any point uh, if you would like to send us suggestions. Oh, hey, would love to hear you talk about this film or that film or, you know, it'd be a great idea for a segment this or a, uh, oh man, I would love to hear what you guys think as far as a list of movies for you know this situation, that situation. Give me your best you Icelandic movies. Give me your best uh, movies if you were stranded in icy tundra. What? I don't say care. hello. Say hello. Uh, tell us we're awful. Tell us no, that, don't. that we're not worth anything. Please don't. <laughs> Please, you don't. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll absorb. Okay, those and I I'll don't just have pass along the good things. Okay. Yeah. Somebody's got to hate us eventually. That, that's fine. I don't want to know about it. But I hate myself enough. I don't need someone else helping. <laughs> uh, we are a new podcast, so uh, any feedback is always welcome. Uh, I'll make sure to uh, strip out anything that will hurt Clint's heart. Uh, but <laughs> but I, got, I got some pretty thick skin, and, and I'm okay with it. Mm. Uh, so anything you here. think that will uh, improve things, if you think, wow, I love this segment, let us know. Like I said, contact us at www.com. Cinebabblecast.com. You can also send us an email at contact, just the word contact, huh. at cinebabblecast.com. It's, you know, the communication of the future, hmm. these electronic mails. Feels more like we're a little behind. A little bit, a little bit. I'm thinking of maybe uh, an Instagram page and some other things this week. We'll hmm. see what happens. TikTok. We're also on an app. Have you heard of Likewise? No. We are on an app called Likewise. Likewise is a great little app. It's free. And it's just uh, movies and TV. It has a section for books. It has a section for podcasts. And it has a section for something else I don't care about. But you can just recommend things to different people. Uh, people can like 
movies, books, or podcasts. They can share them. Uh, it's just a it's a cool little community. It'll mm-hmm. probably not go well, just like every other mm-hmm. social network. But for now, yeah. it's it's this pure little bastion mm-hmm. uh, with thousands of people that just love movies and books and podcasts. We'll see how that ends. Yeah. So likewise, download it. That's a free plug. I'm not getting anything, but we're on there. So find us, like us, share. What's all that money over there? Well, sh- something's got to pay for the trailer. Trailer. <laughs> This week, like I said, is very special. Uh, And the reason it's very special is because we're devoting the entire episode to the decade that was, uh, 2010 to 2019. Uh, It occurred to us, man, what are our favorite films from every year? Now, Mm -hmm. like we mentioned last week in our Oscar chat, this is by no means a sporting event. This is not something where we're saying that one movie is inherently better than the other. These are just Clint and I. These are our personal picks, the things that we enjoy, the movies that we return to and again and again and just enjoy watching. Yeah. So, any other caveats before we dive right into this? Hmm. I wore my shoulder pads because I thought it was a sport. It's not a sport, mm. but I like the shoulder pads. <laughs> Thanks. They give you they it give gives you me a, like a little broader look. It really does. Yeah. It really it's, does. Yeah. I'm going to take a hit. Yeah. And, you know, when you open up the trailer trailer and you step out, it, it has an impact. It has a presence. Yeah. Like, ooh, that guy is interesting. I want to know more about him. Mm-hmm. I want to walk into that trailer and sit in there. Look at the warm glow pouring out of that doorway. <laughs> we can do that. Okay. Yeah. I'll wear the shoulder pads for okay. you. Well, here's how this is going to work. We're going to start at 2019 and work our way towards 2010. Clint and I have each picked, we have not shared with each other what these are, but we've each picked our top movie of the year. We also have an alternating number of runners-up for each year. By the time we get to the end, then, we're going to talk about kind of our favorite movies of the decade, and then we will pick the one movie at the end that if all of their movies befell some horrible accident and we were not able to ever watch Anything but one movie again, what one movie would we want to be left with? Some like earth annihilating situation. That like just robot came invasion. for the Blu-rays yeah. and the streaming services. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So you ready to start with 2019? Well, that's a good place to start. Okay. Yeah. Now, even though we just did a Best Films of 2019 mm. episode before Christmas, my list has already shuffled. Has, had your list shuffled? Yeah, a little bit. From Parasite last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I forgot Jojo Rabbit, so yeah. that had to get worked okay. back in. So let's let's start with you. Let's hear your 2019 runners-up and then kind of your top favorite film for 2019. So my runner-up was um, Parasite. Oh. So that really jumped up from where it was, where it wasn't on my list at all. Yeah. Because I somehow missed the whole point of that film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I think I just was in a bad mood or something well, when I watched that. It happens right. sometimes. But yeah, my second viewing, totally got it, totally loved okay. it. Um, so yeah, Bong Joon Who? Bong Joon? I think you said it much better. Bong Joon Ho. You really, you really had a, yeah. a good... Bong Joon Ho. Okay. His movie, Parasite. All right, there you go. That All was right. my runners up. So, so my... Top picks. <clears throat> 2019. Yeah, and this stayed the same from my top um, 10 of last year. So Midsummer. Okay. So Ari Aster's Midsummer. Still really love that movie. I I think it'll probably even get stronger and wow. I really love that film. So you think when we're at episode 1022 in the year <laughs> 2030. Okay. And we're doing our top of the decade that was 2020 to 2029. You think Midsommar will still be your top of 2019? I don't know about that, but right now it still is. Okay. I, I mean, I might hate it. 
Who knows, Ken? But I still really like it. I think right. it's really. What was it about it? I know I've asked you this question so many times. <laughs> I keep because it wasn't even on your list. And no, it wasn't. I I I love it. I would even say love it. Wow. But it, it just missed my top ten. Mm. It was not on my list. What is it that really just latches its claws well, into you? There's just certain directors like Darren Aronofsky mm-hmm. and and him now Ari Aster. Like this, their whole aesthetic and the way they do tell stories and the things they deal with, like there's a supernatural element to his films and dealing with like uh, cultism and just uh, these personal stories in the middle of it, like really just taps into my sensibility. And like, I mean, you know, I'm a painter, I Mm -hmm. paint and it's just things I think about. It's the things that I like to deal with in my imagery and it's just not because of them, but it's just like, wow, we're kind of thinking alike. And I, it's fun finding like minds. And um, it's just, I don't know. I think they're, he's leading the forefront of horror and pushing it in this direction where it's going to be taken seriously and uh, dealing with things that people haven't and are making it dealing around the drama of family and relationships and the horror of that mixed with supernatural elements. It's just, I think it's really cool. All right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Well, in a year that had Parasite and Marriage Story, which was really hard for me yeah. to just barely leave in the dust. Uh, both of those were really high up for me. Mm. Marriage Story kept climbing, just like Parasite kept climbing in my top 10. Um, but my runners-up were Dr. Sleep, obviously, no surprise mm. there, other than the fact that it's not my number one. Because uh, <laughs> Dr. Sleep, all last year... Where was it la- on the... It was t- number one. Oh, really? It was, it was my absolute number one. Uh, my other runner-up is Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm. That one vaulted up my list. I've I almost put that on mine. Three or four times. Oh, really? Uh, it just, it grows on me yeah, every time. Yeah, it's great. Uh, just absolutely love that. My top pick is 1917. Oh, wow. And 1917, uh, when we did our top of the year, I hadn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. It This movie just completely blew me away. And for for kind of equal parts, uh, the way that it handles itself as a war film, I thought was very, very well done, very well crafted. But just the, the filmmaking prowess of it, this right. one shot thing. I've thought about it more and more and more, and I've watched this more than once. It's not a gimmick at all. Mm-hmm. It's such an integral part of making this movie what it is. It's so well and seamlessly done. Uh, some of the innovations, it's it's silly, but watching that 10-minute behind-the-scenes oh, yeah. featurette on YouTube, right. when I then went back, elevated my appreciation of the mm-hmm. filmmaking even more. Uh, you've got Roger Deakins cinematography. The music is excellent. The casting is strong. The acting is great. Uh, it just, it really, every time I watch it, it means a little bit more. And yeah. It just, uh, I'm not huge on war movies, but I am huge on really well done war. Movies. Oh, really? I love World War Two and World War. Like, I mean, there, I, I. I, I do them. too, but that's why the movies have to be something really special for me. Yeah. Um, because I enjoy uh, that history so much mm-hmm. and, and the things that were happening and really seeing filmmakers dig in, it's really got to be something special yeah. at this point to uh, pull me away from some of my favorites of the past. Yeah. In 1917. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's not World War II, but I, I really, just that time period in history and 
that conflict, it, yep. it's really interesting to me. Well, and I even took my 15-year-old son to it, and I, I can't remember if I mentioned this in a previous episode, but uh, I took my 15-year-old son, and he's a history buff, a growing history buff, and at one point, I thought he had fallen asleep. We went late, and I looked over thinking he had fallen asleep, and it was just he was stone still. Mm. He was a statue. His eyes were open wide his mouth was kind of hanging open and he was just absorbing this movie and he wouldn't shut up about it that night he wouldn't shut up about it the whole next week he loved that movie and it just that was that was a cool experience too seeing how uh you know two people 25 years apart in age could react to this film in, right. in such a way yeah now then my dad went and saw it and he just thought it was okay yep i'm sure my dad would say the same thing there was in his mind not a lot happened yeah uh, and he's, you know, Saving Private Ryan is kind of the pinnacle of war filmmaking. And yeah. it's it's very good. It's, but, yeah, it's great. Um, it's it's great as well. It just, 1917 was something special. Yeah, it's fun to see a story like that told from mm-hmm. that perspective and um, with this kind of really personal yeah. um, arc to it. Um, yeah, I really am looking forward to seeing that again. Um, I think it probably would climb up my list. It was probably maybe five or six um, but yeah, the, the, I, this past year was just a really good year for films. Really good and, year. Uh, and as we talk about this, I noticed there's some really good years yeah. that were really hard. Other years yep. were very easy. Yeah. Uh, other years, I there was one year I struggled to find three things oh, because really? I wanted two runners up. And uh, there was one I was just like, oh, there's, hmm, this is a tough year. Yeah. So I'm curious up, to see what year that was for you because I have okay. a definite year where that it was just like, man, I barely have like six movies okay. here. Well, make sure you mention it. <laughs> okay. to it. Let's go to 2018 and start with your your runners up on 2018. So um, my runners up, I have one runners up for this one. Okay. And I wish I had kept, I had like all my favorite movies mm-hmm. just listed out. And then I just made this list that just kind of whittled it down to my runner up and my top pick. But my runner-up was Hereditary. Oh, okay. So, again, Not Ari... surprise there, Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster. I was blown away by this film. It was one of the most inventive, imaginative horror films I had seen in a long time. I love horror movies, and just to see something taken in this direction was amazing. It, it, at some point, I'm sure it was at the top of my list, probably last year. but um, And it probably could be again, but... Uh, so yeah, Ari Aster's uh, Hereditary. Okay, and your number one? My number one is The Favorite. Oh, I still haven't seen this. <laughs> and you're a bad person because I'm of this. Sorry, I'm failing as a human. Yeah. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos, mm-hmm. um, who's done like Dogtooth and mm-hmm. Little Lobster and um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 2018's The Favorite with Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss and numerous other actors. And it's just... It's so well done. It's so funny, um, dark. It's filmed amazingly in this castle, and uh, he uses like this crazy fisheye lens to get the perspective of this can or of the the space in this castle, and it just it gives this modern feel to it that's unexpected, and it, like makes you look at this story from a different angle of, like it makes it feel like it's contemporary and uh it's it's just his style but it's um not quite as heightened to his weird way of dialogue Mm -hmm. like that like stilted way of speaking um so it's very approachable and i think that's why it probably got so much more notice and like award buzz and things and uh it's fantastic yeah 
I swear to you, Clint, this is my blood oath. I think I put it on the before, wheel. So I <laughs> before this night is through, before sleep takes my eyes, I will watch the favorite okay. tonight. Maybe and we will talk about it in okay. episode seventeen. I will. I watch might just sit there and wa- the hold favorite. your eyes open. No, I, I am awake. Okay, I had a little old man nap earlier tonight, and uh, oh, I'm watching it. Okay. Right. I, I loved it. So Best of the year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is a year that I, the movies I struggled with, uh, Annihilation and Avengers Infinity War, I had to Anni- shut them off. Annihilation was almost on mine. Annihilation was a tough one to get rid of. Yeah. My runners up are First Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is about the Apollo missions. Excellent movie. Yeah. Very claustrophobic. Really puts you into the experience instead of just watching it. Love that movie. The hardest one for me uh, in my my runners-up, Prospect. Yeah. I really went back and forth as to whether Prospect was my movie of the year or not. And, man, you could ask me tomorrow, and it would probably be Prospect, and the next day it would be my number one pick. And It was my number prospect. three. Yeah, I really, really struggled. I, I love highlighting Prospect as much as possible. Excellent film. It's on Hulu. Uh, it's definitely one you should check out. My top pick of the year, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, and that's just because I, as far as animation goes, and I love animation, this just did things with animation, with the comic book film, with the characters uh, that I have not seen done before. Mm. It, is, it is probably one of the best animated movies I've seen. It's probably one of the best comic book movies I've seen. And I just... I adored it the first time and I've enjoyed it every time since. It has a, a slick sense of humor. Uh, the visuals are outstanding and it's just one I, I find myself coming back to quite often. It's one of those, if it pops up somewhere, I, I just kind of end up finishing it wherever it's at hmm. and noticing some weird detail in the background or some little uh, texturing thing they did that's that's clever. There's always something. There. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And some other day it'll be Prospect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on to 2017. Okay. um, So my runner-up film was The Phantom Thread by Paul Thomas Anderson. Ah, I thought that would be your top. It was close. All right. Talk a little bit about The Phantom Thread. So yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis plays this fashion designer um, it's like the 1950s, or I believe, um, or 1960s, somewhere in that range. And he meets a young woman. He's kind of somebody who gets tired of relationships and people he's in relationships quickly, or and he just can't hold down a relationship. He's devoted to his work. He meets this woman in a um, restaurant or a cafe, and she becomes his muse, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's about their relationship and... Um, him working and just basically their relationship. And it's just so amazingly shot. I Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favorite directors. Every film I've loved from him. This was a film where I was not excited about this movie. I was not either. I Just because I was like, oh, okay. And it just seemed, I don't know, just not the fashion industry in that time period. Even though I'm interested in fashion, and uh, it just for some reason just didn't grab me when it first came out, 
Yeah, the only thing that grabbed me about this movie was Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. I would never have watched it if not for that name. And I like Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, yeah. I think he's fantastic, yeah. but it was just it's just something like, I don't know. But then I watched it and I was like, oh, why, why did I doubt him? <laughs> why did I doubt anyone involved? It's so, um, like it's shot on uh, like 35 millimeter. They mm-hmm. used like um, the stock footage, stock film stock from that time period. It was 35 or 16, I can't remember. But it... It just looks great. And Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. It's totally enveloped in this role. And I love the turns it takes with the relationship. It just gets dark and weird. Has one of my favorite scenes I've seen in so long at like uh, it's um, New Year's. And her, she's at this party alone without him. And it's just big and just this wild party set in this time period. And it just like gives me chills when I think about it. I, I love it. Um, it could have easily been like, but... My top for the year was Blade Runner 2049. It's just a film I think about like uh, once every couple weeks. It just uh, pops in my head. Um, So uh, uh, with Ryan Gosling, Jared Leto, Harrison Ford, numerous other folks. And yeah, it's just my, it did everything I wanted Blade Runner to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not a giant fan of the original Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. And I know that's heresy. There's things I really love about that film, but just the whole story of that film, the character arcs don't ever reach this point where I think it needs to go or I'm like anticipating it go. And I, it's one of those films where I always heard so much about it mm-hmm. and I didn't see it till later in life after everyone is just like, it's the best sci-fi movie ever. So once I saw it, I was like, well, that was good. Yeah, it had already been stripped for parts by so yeah. many other movies that went and did it better. Right. That to go back and visit it, it just feels very... And it's one I've tried so many scalable. times, and I definitely see the merit and worth of it. Mm-hmm. And I love the look of it. Mm-hmm. And then to see this film, and it's all the great elements of that film, with, with this character arc in the middle of it that I care about and can grab onto. Minus the things from Blade Runner that don't work. Right. It, it really refines that formula yeah. down. Yeah. If you could even call it a formula. Yeah. And the, yeah. I mean, it just kept, keeps all the elements and heightens like the soundtrack's really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I okay. just, I really like that film. And I, just depending on my v- mood, uh, like I could probably fl- flip them and I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just a, when I'm going through this, it's like, what pops to my mind first? Oh. And and uh, that was it. Okay. For 2017, the, the movies I had the hardest time shoving aside, uh, Dunkirk and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, not because it's a comic book movie, but it's, it's a Taika uh, comic book movie. Mm. And it's just such zany fun. But yeah. Dunkirk, sorry. Thor Ragnarok, sorry. My <laughs> runners up were Get Out. Uh, which this one, man, I went back and forth as to how high it went, but the one that beat it out can't possibly uh, be touched by Get Out. But Get Out's a fantastic little horror film. Yeah. Uh, and then Baby Driver. Mm. Baby Driver, it's funny. I didn't respond to it as intensely as I did some of his other films, Shaun of the Dead and and Scott Pilgrim, but it's it's really just grown on me. And yeah. really the only thing in it that's that's kind of icky is Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he wasn't there. Uh, otherwise, that movie might be a little more special to me. But yeah. he's very distracting because every time he's, you know, trying to be fatherly to, to baby, I just think, oh, no, he's flirting with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. But my my top pick, uh, far and away, this was this was probably the least competitive 
uh, top pick and runners up was Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. 2049. <laughs> wow. They really jumped ahead. <laughs> 18,000 years Latin in the is, future. They're just like this sentient goo. <laughs> but Blade Runner 2049, uh, excellent film for all the reasons that you said. This movie haunts my brain. Mm-hmm. Much like you, I find myself uh, thinking about it. I got really excited the other day. I found out there's this deluxe art book coming mm-hmm. out this year, uh, which, you know, for a movie from 2017 to still be having right, books yeah. come out says something, but it just such an interesting film. A lot of people didn't like it because of its pacing mm. and that it was slow and that it was long. And I loved it for all of those reasons. The yeah. world that it built was so interesting yeah, and so absorbing to me. I could have spent another, I, I could spend multiple movies in this world and I wish it had done better at the box office just to guarantee more of that but I'm I'm also okay with it just being on its own yeah and I I just I appreciated everything that he accomplished with it I think it was no easy task because you're following up this beloved film but that's still a very divisive film and I think he really without repeating itself or or drawing or too much feeling like a like it's trying to reboot mm-hmm. and it, like star wars it does not feel like that it at all it feels like a, a very natural 30-year evolution yeah where this world would be at the time even in the new technologies and things that it yeah that it introduces the holograms and things like that it feels like a natural expansion of the themes introduced in mm-hmm. blade runner and blade runner i'm i'm like you that movie is not amazing to me it's not great to me it feels very skeletal mm. um but it's something where the concepts are really strong. And that's where Blade Runner 2049 really retained those concepts, really retained the things that made the the original last as long as it has. But it took them and it played with them and refined them to just wonderful ends. Yeah. So. And I don't know if it's because I'm so in tune to um, Denis, his other films, mm-hmm. because I've loved his other mm-hmm. films so much and I'm really excited about his Dune. Mm-hmm. So it kind of set me up for what his style was and yeah. his pacing because it, it is a slow film, but it, I mean, it really warrants it how it's uh, it flows and it reveals itself. And really I would have next to no interest in Dune. I really oh, would. yeah. Except for the fact that he's attached to it. Mm. And I watched what he's he's done with his other films, but especially Blade Runner. And I cannot wait to see what he does with that universe. I want to be as interested in that universe and that story as people who gobble up every book are interested in that universe. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with it. Yeah. And I'm really curious if book fans hate it, but I love it, or if they love it and I love it, or... I don't know. That's that's going to be a good time in theaters. Mm, yeah. All right. So 2016. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's hear it. My runner-up was La La Land. Mm-hmm. Um, Damien Cazelle starring Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. There's a real theme throughout my films with actors that I noticed after doing this. It's like, wow, I really am drawn to certain people. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe because they're drawn to certain directors and then it just kind of goes from there. Yeah, I really noticed that with it's it's like the um, first man for me and then Blade Runner and yeah. then La La Land. It's all that Ryan Gosling corner. Yeah. But he chooses very interesting filmmakers. Right, right. Um, yeah, I thought that was great. I know that movie's kind of gotten crap 
Uh, I don't, I don't know. We don't listen to those. No, but I thought it was really emotionally interesting and like, I love the musical aspect of Mm -hmm. it. And I thought it was great. I don't know. Okay. Uh, my top movie of the year for 2016 was the lobster. Really? Yes. See, I have the lobster in my 2015 list of movies. But we'll go 2016. You're probably right. I, yeah, I, I there were sometimes lists online were weird where they would, yeah. and I'm maybe well. Sometimes a movie would come out in limited release, so it'd be listed 2015, but it came out general release 2016. Yeah, because I feel like I, I was running into a couple movies. Yeah, because like I but, feel like that was one where I saw it later, and maybe it was early 2015, yeah. but then like didn't really get out. I don't remember. It doesn't matter to me. I'm I'm excited that it's making the top of your list. It didn't make the top of my list for the year Uh-oh. I put it in. So let's That's another let's movie that lobster. Yeah, I love the lobster. Um, Yorgos again uh, with Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz, Olivia Coleman, John C. Riley, mm-hmm. uh, some other folks. I keep saying folks. That's okay. Well, very folks. Very folksy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so funny. It's so dark. It's so weird. I mean, it goes so weird. And I know people like fall off kind of, they don't really enjoy the second half of that film once it's out of the resort they're at mm-hmm. and they're more in the woods. But I, I love where it goes and yeah. it just gets so weird. And this is his like pinnacle of his stylized mm-hmm. way of writing dialogue and um, storytelling. And it's such and a, no one is ever winking at the camera. No, that's the thing I love. Like if somebody was winking or like showing that they're in on it, that would be so uh, like. This is just the world these characters yes, are Yes. And that's, and if you can like sell it and it can be this bizarre thing, mm-hmm. but you're not giving it away and cheapening it, then you can believe it. And I, his films, I totally do. And yeah. I, that movie just cracks me up and, and uh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, so 2016, uh, the things I had to shove aside that hurt my heart a little bit were Green Room, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a an intense little thriller, and Midnight Special, also uh, in a, a more dramatic but an intense little thriller. Yeah. Had to shove those aside. Sorry, Green Room. Sorry, Midnight Special. Uh, my runners-up were Arrival, mm-hmm. um, which has kind of stuck with me, and I've, I've gone back to a couple of times. Uh, just above that was Hell or High Water, yeah. which really 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 I, that maybe surprised me that so movie. much it really did Chris Pine is mm. excellent in it I did not know I liked him as an actor did not know he had that level of depth uh, to him Jeff Bridges is great and <laughs> hilarious in this uh, and it's just it's it's a, a very good film if you could do a shared universe with this and No Country for Old Men and it, it shares some of those qualities right uh, it's just it's an excellent modern western yep uh, but my top pick was La La Land. Ah. And I don't care that people give a crap. <laughs> I don't care. This movie brings me to tears every time. I do not typically like musicals, but I enjoy the musical aspect of this because I feel like it actually in interesting ways reflects the characters and what's happening. By the end of it, by the time you have these characters coming together and it's this musical and it's supposed to end happy – it does not. Mm-hmm. And it goes in the direction of, oh, there's conflict. Well, of course there's conflict. There's conflict in every movie, and then they get back together. Ha, ha, ha. Not in La La Land. <laughs> in La La Land, it's like, that's not life, kids. Here's life. They almost made it, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. But they still are able to have their happy endings because they can look back and reflect on that experience, learn something from it. That last sequence 
where she's sitting in the club watching him play, and you see this very stylized version of what their life could have been played out. Right, right. It just destroys me. Yeah. Every time, because this whole movie, take away the musical, take away the love story, take away everything, it's really about the way we dream about something, but then have to contend with the fact that our dreams can't possibly come to reality. Mm -hmm. Even if we achieve something close to our dreams, it looks different than what we thought it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And you so infrequently see that in movies. I love that La La Land did that, especially in the trappings of a old style Hollywood musical. Yeah. Um, it just, I, I adore that movie. <laughs> and every time I watch it, it just makes me happy. It makes me sad. It makes me cry. It, that's what I look for. I need my movies to move me. Yeah. I, I'm a very emotionally driven mm, me movie watcher. Yeah. If a movie makes me cry, even if it's a bad movie, I'm like, oh, that there was something there that was special. Yeah. I actually haven't rewatched it since the theater. Really? But I, I should. Yeah. You really should. Yeah. I've, I think it I've, was because it was so emotional for yeah. me that I just haven't been able to, but it yeah. that, it stuck with me. Yeah. So I knew that was a good sign. I've gone back to La La Land an embarrassing number of times <laughs> and introduced an embarrassing number of people to yeah. it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I love it. All right. So uh, are you ready for 2015? Yeah. Let's hear it. So this one, I actually do have two runners up because, okay. and basically the one, um, this is my first one is Anna Mona Lisa by Charlie Kaufman oh, yeah. and uh, directed by him, written by him and mm -hmm. uh, directed with uh, Duke Johnson. So um, it's just this beautiful little um, stop motion animated film about a inspirational like speaker who goes around to convince like mm -hmm. um, hotels and gives these kind of speeches and he's meets this woman at the hotel who's kind of like she's there to see him speak and she's just a very ordinary person and it's the film in any other world would be this little ordinary just a little indie film yeah but it's stop motion mm -hmm. and it's just this really small it's not like a grand um thing it's mm -hmm. just a very personal small story done in this beautiful stop motion yeah. and uh it's it's just so beautiful and it's but it is surreal and it's just this Kaufman mm -hmm. uh, kind of way, but very subtle and it's more just about this relationship and mm -hmm. this man who's away from home and meets this woman who's not happy with his life and um, that just the fact that that film was made is amazing to me. Mm -hmm. um, so my other um, runner-up was The Revenant mm -hmm. by Alejandro Gonzalez in Niratu. I'll say with that with a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. Mm -hmm. um, another film that I haven't been able to go back to, but it's one that stuck with me because it's another really emotional. It's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. But just like his other films like Birdman, you can just see the quality of filmmaking mm -hmm. in the thought and just the way he composes shots. And you can just, it's above just a survival story in the wilderness. It's so, it's just some, like a beautiful painting unfolding and you uh, can just experience it. Uh, one I need to go back and watch. Um, but my top of the year is Mad Max Fury Road. I knew that's where that one was headed. This is a movie like that just thinking about it makes me so happy. It's one it's like my happy place movie <laughs> because it's so demented and like mm -hmm. insane and 
it's a film like it's just a giant chase in the desert with these crazy characters on these and it's just so <laughs> i just want like everyone to watch this film it's like nope. one of those films where like it, like asks people if they're ever like have you ever seen this film and i have to put it on because it's so like it's just the idea that it exists is amazing because you can just feel the weight of everything in this film. It's you can tell that you're just crazy people on poles flying around while driving 40 miles per hour in the desert. And just the, there's so much like ingenuity and inspiration and artistry in this film where you can just feel like they had a blast making this and making um, George Miller's like, and vision come to life and just to see a pure vision on that scale come to life is so amazing this is cinema at its most id yeah it's it's, it's like if cinema had ego super ego this is this is the it is it is out there but it is just oh it's wild yeah and that's what i, I want is id in filmmaking yeah. i want to feel like there is a person behind this with a specific thought and they're getting it out and there's like a lot on my list, I think that, but this is like the peak of that, yeah. where it's like, this thing shouldn't exist, but somehow he willed this into existence. That's the perfect sentence. This shouldn't exist, yeah. but he willed it into existence. Yeah. And it's yeah. like been a path where he's been making these films for years, but like this feels like he finally got it. Yeah. And uh, I, it, this movie, I don't know, just have a big smile thinking about yeah. this film. 2015 was one of those years that that was the most difficult for me. Me too. 2015. Except for Mad Max. Yes. Yeah. I, it wasn't hard to get a number one. It was yeah. just, there was such a list of films and I kept thinking like, oh no, I can't talk about that one or that one or that one. Yeah. Uh, that was 2015 and 2014 for me. 2016 was one of the worst years where it was just like, oh, there's my picks. Oh, there really? There wasn't a lot to go around mm. for me. There were some other years too. But uh, what I had to shove aside in 2015 that hurt me the most was The Lobster. That's where I had that one. Okay. And Spotlight, uh, which I just, I have on my brain for some reason. But my runners up in 2015 were The Martian Mm -hmm. uh, with Matt Damon. I thought that might be your top. It's not almost, but but I love it so much just because there's no villain. Mm. It's just about guy stuck on a planet trying to survive people on earth trying to figure out a way to help him survive and save him. Mm-hmm. Cast away a, on Mars. It's just a simple survival <laughs> story. Uh, my other runner up, The Revenant, also just a simple survival mm. story. That's that's my theme uh, with all of my top picks for 2015, I noticed. Uh, but The Revenant is rough. Yeah. And it is hard to watch. Uh, and, and in both The Martian and The Revenant, you're watching somebody really push to the edges of survivability in a believable way mm-hmm. uh, and a very compelling story. But both of them are very simple. They don't overcomplicate. They don't uh, try to bring too much in. Uh, so those are those are my runners up. My number one, I will not spend too much time on just because you've just very eloquently described <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Everything you just said is straight out of my brain. You stole mm-hmm. it from me in a heist. It's inception, yeah. You inception me. It, Mad Max is what I want movies to be. Yeah. It's when I talk about Prospect and how much I love Prospect, it's because Prospect was able to pull off in a more limited sense because of its budget. But it it did the exact same thing. It created a whole world, and it was just like you know what, I I don't care if it makes sense or if or if it's 
good or bad. We're just going to dive into our world and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. The lobster kind of falls in lobster, there. Lobster, same thing. And Mad Max is the pinnacle of that. Mm -hmm. Empire did its 100 of the century, top 100, which was from 2000 to 2019. And Mad Max hit their top two. Uh, this is by no means isolated to us. There's just something no, about this movie. I was going through lists from that year and yeah. it was like, that was on every list. Everybody's. And I was like, wow. I was like, I knew that like everyone enjoyed that film, but it was just crazy that it was on so many lists. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wish it would have been amazing that like won some giant awards. And going back to our award discussion from last week, that's what bothers me about awards. Yeah. This should have won. Yeah. This is something you don't see. Mm -hmm. This is a, again, the pinnacle of what filmmaking is supposed to be about. Let's right. drag some people into the desert with a crazy vision. Let's do crazy things. This is a group of people from crew to lead actors. These are high level lead actors completely sacrificing everything. To make this wild movie in the desert mm -hmm. and it was not a fun experience they were they were miserable at times making this thing uh but there's there's such a a frenzy in the midst of this yeah well no one ever said art had to be easy so. nope and that's and that's why. when i hear about people complaining it like we're saying how um oh it was rough on set it's like well it never one ever said it was going to be easy yeah well yeah. and when you actually read the interviews, they're not complaining. Right. They're just they're describing the experience. Yeah. But then the headlines were like, oh, Tom Hardy's upset about his time in the that's, desert. No, he wasn't. Right. That's what I'm I mean. It's He's just wearing like, it like a badge of honor. Yeah. It's like when other people outside of it yeah. are like saying, Oh, it was a difficult shoot yeah. or they were there's contentious uh aspects of it. It's like well, I mean, that goes yeah. with real like working with people and trying to do something great. Like yeah. I don't know. All right. So on to 2014. Yeah. I'll tell you before you say yours, this was my absolute hardest year. Yeah. This one broke my heart. Uh, <laughs> I had the longest list on this one, uh -huh. back and forth. I had a hard time with this year. Go I ahead. think I, yeah, this was a tough one. Um, so yeah, this is another one where I have two runners up. Okay. Um, so my first one is What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, that was... Up there, and it I, oh, it hurt me so bad to shove that one aside. Uh, Taiki Watiti and uh, directed with he did it and directed it with Jermaine Clement, who's from Play the Concords and many other things. But this is a movie I come back to. Like, there's I don't rewatch a lot of movies, mm -hmm. but this is the one that I put on like Mad Max, where it makes me completely happy. Yep. I put it on Halloween. I put it on not at Halloween. Jenny and I can both enjoy it and crack up. We love the the series that came out. Um, and it's just, it's just a perfect film to me. I love the just faux documentary about vampires living in a house together. It's just one of the best ideas and the best group of like comedians who is like my sensibility of humor, and I, it's amazing. I've never had a comedy so consistently crack me up yeah. on repeat watches, mm -hmm. out loud cracking up. Yeah, I just, oh, this movie. All right. <laughs> oh. uh, so my second runner-up, and um, I think probably at the time was my favorite, mm -hmm. and probably could be again as Birdman <sighs> by uh, Alejandro Gonzalez and Ratu. And just love trying to say his name oh, poorly uh, with Michael Keaton, Ed Norton, Emma Stone. Mm -hmm. um, it's great. It's like made to look like it's one shot done very well uh, about this man who's trying to 
keep his career going, acting in this little play. He thinks it's going to get him to this other level of fame because he's he's just known for being this superhero in this Birdman, he's Birdman, like, and it's so funny because it's Michael Keaton playing this character. I love that. It's such a great idea, yeah. and he's, and it's just uh, everyone's fantastic in it, and it just goes in these emotional journeys you're not expecting, and it goes in weird um, areas where you're not sure what's real and what's not, and it's another movie that I pro- I think I saw that two or three times in the theater yeah. and one that I consistently think about. And I, I've got a giant poster in my house for this film. It's, it's yeah. Great. I really thought that was going to be your top. It was now diff- I'm really riveted. Like I thought for sure that was going to be your number one. So my top for the year is grand Budapest hotel. <sighs> yep. Um, like we were talking last episode, um, when we saw the trailer for his, for Wes Anderson's new film, I love Wes Anderson yeah. films. I'm, I know not everyone does, but it's one that I consistently go back to, like what we do in the shadows. I, I his movies are just so rewatchable to me, and um, such a great sense of humor. And his, it's the way he frames everything and his choices. It's just so specific, and it's like Mad Max, where it's id, and it's just his world he's created. And I love that he's just consistent with it. And it doesn't feel like to me that he's resting on his own laurels and he's just can't think of another idea. It's like, no, he's can, he's making a body of work. This it, When people do that, it's like it's making a consistent body of work that works together. It doesn't have to be some wildly deviated thing. Yeah. And there, you look at so many like p- painters, uh, authors, anyone, like they can work in the same kind of median and medium and style that they had before and they've just found their voice and i yeah. think that's amazing and this movie is consistently i laugh throughout it yeah. and like i want to cry at moments and this and his heightened every single one it just gets more heightened and it's closer to his stop motion work and um it, i love it my runners up. Uh, well, before my runners up, listen to this list. This yeah. this isn't even half of the ones that broke year. my heart to shove off. That was a really good uh, year. Birdman. Yeah, was one of my mentions. Mm, didn't make person. my top three. I know. I'm sorry, but that's how strong the top three were. Uh, Nightcrawler mm-hmm. with Jake Gyllenhaal really had a hard time. This bounced in and out of my top three, just like Birdman did. What we did in the shadows bounced in and out of my top three, mm-hmm. uh, and then Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, I just it's one of the best comic book movies. My runners-up were Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all the reasons you just said, watch it, love it. It's wonderful. It's just, <laughs> it's adorable. It's it's bitingly funny. Yeah. Uh, it's it's good stuff. Uh, my second runner-up was Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar. Uh, I know people have problems with this movie, and there's there's admittedly a couple of things I still have problems with even when I watch it again. Uh, but the visuals. And the science and the, the the melding of science and faith and and all of these things and humanity and exploration and just all of these things put together uh, is an incredibly emotional experience for me to watch. Even just visually, this movie will make me tear up uh, from from some of the things. That, that was my going. number four. So if yeah. I, we had done a top five, it would have been on there. Yeah. Interstellar is just yeah. right up there. My number one from the year, uh, which 
somehow leaped beyond Interstellar and Grand Budapest pretty easily was Whiplash. Yep. Uh, Whiplash is just an incredible film. Mm-hmm. It is about two characters uh, that are in just complete and utter conflict. You have this drumming percussion student under this very hardline teacher at this prestigious music school. And he is uh, as abusive as it gets verbally and emotionally. And he really pushes students to, to the breaking point, to the edge. And this kid kind of cracks under him and then has to piece himself back together. And in, in the freakish turn of events, essentially becomes the exact same kind of person that the uh, the teacher is. And it's a fascinating character yeah. story. He kind of had no choice to if he was going to survive that situation. No, yeah. no. And I could watch this movie again and again and again. I have, and it just gets me every time. Yeah. That and end. that last 20 minutes mm. is, is possibly some of the best 20 minutes in yep. film ever. Yeah. Uh, you could you could even skip everything before that, even if that was just a short film and you watch that last 20 minutes, everything is there that you need to know and it's it's not it wouldn't be as powerful, but everything in the film builds towards that last 20 minutes and that last 20 minutes is such a surprise and such a um uh, it's just it's a turn of events you cannot expect and you cannot look away from. Yeah. It just, it's amazing. I love that movie for everything it is. Yep. That was my number five. If I, I, yeah. it, it, that was a hard year. Yeah. All right. So 2013. Yep. So I really hope I'm like getting these years right because I, I went through so many lists and I, I think I got this correct. Yeah, you're good so far. So, okay. So my, I have one um, runner up this okay. year. The rest of mine only have one runner up. Okay. Um. So my runner-up is Her mm. by Spike Jones mm-hmm. with Joaquin Phoenix. Scarlett Johansson plays the little AI. Mm-hmm. Bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Such a great movie. Um, it's about technology and love and trying to find your place. And it's so funny and sweet. I don't know. It's his style. Spike Jones films are top, well, some of my top films. Mm-hmm. I love all his films. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that is a great movie. Um, but my top of the year, and I could, I think there were a couple films. This was a hard year for me, but this film is one that I consistently think about. And if I'm talking to somebody about film, I'm like, this is one I'm always like, have you seen this movie? And it's under the skin. I knew that was going to be your top pick. Yeah. Well picked. Uh, yep. Yeah. Under the skin. Uh, by Jonathan Glazer with Scarlett Johansson and a, not a movie that everybody will love. No. If I'm speaking, talking to the right person, yeah, yeah, I would be like, "Have you seen this film?" Yeah, I know a lot of people would hate this film, um, and it's surprising to me how well it works. Basically, Scarlett Johansson is some kind of being, something, driving around in a van for two hours, leading people into this weird alien black room yep. that absorbs and eats them. Yep. And it's just one of those things where it's so visually striking yeah. and well shot and um, unsettling. It's so unsettling in the oh, best way. And that's what I want, like hereditary, where it's yeah. just like gets under your skin and it goes in these directions. And so, and it's um, exceptionally moving. Mm-hmm. And you really like, you don't think much is happening in this film. And you think you're almost wasting your time at moments, but then it does something. So 
interesting and unsettling and human with her character that you are just you're either one minute repulsed and the next it's like magnet like flip the one way or the other depending on the second of the film and um it's so good it's so good yeah my 2013 the ones that it pained me to push aside were under the skin and upstream collar yeah uh both of which are just wonderfully inventive films Mm -hmm. definitely worth watching uh my my runners up uh her which you already mentioned i love that uh it really hits me in in an emotional place that i never expect Mm -hmm. it should not hit me the way it hits me it's a guy in his phone yep but it's so much more yeah and uh, watching, it's it's not just him struggling with falling in love with this AI. It's watching this burgeoning AI become sentient, like yep. genuinely sentient. And that's very moving to me too. Yeah, uh, You're watching both of these characters who are less than human, essentially, become more than human over the course of their encounter together. And it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other runner-up was About Time. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, About Time is one I... I I fear. I watched <laughs> once, and it has stuck in my brain. You've only watched it once. I can't go back. Oh, really? It you, you it had me watch. Hurts that movie. me. It yeah. hurts me. It genuinely breaks my heart. And it's just a little time travel flick, but it's done in a very interesting way, where the character that's time traveling basically going back. Anytime they go back and change something, it overwrites whatever else they did. Uh, and it's really just about life and love and loss and all these kind of big L's. And it just, oh, it breaks me. I, correction, I think, I've, I think I watched it a second time. Yeah. You told me about and this And it one destroyed that, yeah. me even more the second time. And I was just like, I, I, it's on my shelf. And I just, I can't watch it. I fear it. Uh-huh. Uh, my top pick of the year uh, is a little more conventional, but it's Gravity. Yeah. Uh, and Gravity has just stuck with me since it came out. There is something about this experience, the isolation of this one character, uh, survival drama. Uh, one of the things I really started to realize is I have a thing for survival stories. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until I mapped out this whole decade list. Yeah. But survival stories really click with me where it's one person versus uh, odds mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be able to survive. But just not through superpowers, but just through sheer will to live. Mm-hmm they succeed yeah and gravity i still remember this oh, right this was i think we saw it together defining yeah, for me, me too. as a movie experience yeah this this knocked the wind out of me yeah that was the um, first really well done 3d film too mm-hmm. and uh yeah i i had a physical response watching this i still mm, do me too. but yeah. that first time i remember oh yeah i remember us coming out of the theater the chills on and feeling nauseated at points yeah and, uh just i, I felt almost panic attack yeah. at some time. And uh, it, it just, it really kind of wormed in and, and did some crazy yeah. things that I was not anticipating. I know at the time that was my top film of the mm-hmm. year. And I, and, and it's, I think my number third, three. Um, my number third. My, my number third. My number third. <laughs> my number third. My uh, number three. Yeah. Um, but and it's probably on the given day. It probably would have been number two, but just like under the skin has just been one of those films that like I can't get out of my head. Yeah. Well, under the skin has a lot more to kind of find. Yeah. Uh, Gravity. I've never found anything beyond that first watch. Yeah. The first watch will never be topped because it was such a physical experience yeah. and reaction to that movie. 
And so while I still very much enjoy it and appreciate oh, right. it and still I'm affected by it, yeah. it can never go back to yeah. that first time. Whereas under the skin, every time I've watched it, I come to appreciate it a little more. Yeah. And so it's the opposite trajectory. Right. You it's... know, 20 years from now, does gravity still resonate with me that same way? I don't know. It's lasted, you know, almost 10 years because uh, I still... Thinking back to that experience in the theater, I can, I can oh, me almost too. feel. Yeah, that what was that one of my like. favorite movie scene um, or viewing yeah. experiences in the theater. Yeah. yeah, I I remember even going home. I just I sat at the table when I got home, and I <laughs> I think I drank a soda. And I was just trying <laughs> to get my body to stop reacting the way it was reacting yeah. and that was after a 15 minute drive or i remember just being pumped i was yeah. just like oh man oh yeah, yeah. That, that too the, the sheer exhilaration yeah. of this is where we're at yeah in film and mm -hmm. this is what we're able to do now with special effects where you don't even sense that this is a special effect it just feels that real right yeah it was incredible so 2012 so my runner-up for that year was beasts of the southern wild mm -hmm. Um, directed by Ben Zetlin, starring uh, Quinzine Wallace, mm -hmm. um, who she was in the Annie remake. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is his only film, other than he has one coming out um, about called Wendy, mm -hmm. about the Lost Boys and Peter Pan, but from Wendy's perspective, and it looks fantastic. What this movie like destroyed me when i saw this in the theater it, i remember i was i saw the trailer for it and i was really excited and we eventually got it at our little local theater and i was like so pumped i like saw it was there like and i was like i'm gonna go to super early showing on a saturday and i was there by myself there was probably maybe one other person yeah. in the theater i saw it destroyed me like i there's not many films where i'm openly crying in the theater and just so beautiful. It's like watching a live action Miyazaki film mm -hmm. at moments. And it was one I was just telling everyone about. And I like, was that Hurricane Katrina that it's based around or was it? It's set in that, in like New that's Orleans. That's where they shot it. Yeah. yeah. And so it's taking like advantage of that mm -hmm. landscape. And, um, but I went home and told Jenny about it. And I was like, you got to see this movie. And we went back that night. Oh wow! And I was like, "We got, I, you have to see this movie." And I talked her into it. And sometimes that's difficult. And uh, so we went back, and it still had the same effect on me. Mm -hmm. And she loved it, and it was so beautiful. And I remember uh, telling everyone, and I told you about it. And we yeah. watched it. Yeah, I thought that was going to be your top of the year. Yeah, that was so great. But uh, my number one for the year was The Master. Oh, I uh, forgot that was the year that that came out. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. That no, no, you're right. Okay. That no longer surprises me that yeah. that beat. So yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson, like one of my top guys. Like I love his films. Mm -hmm. um, Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, it just brought it all back. Like making this list, of, like oh, he's not here. Yeah, and it's just like the, and that was was it like shortly after that. Film? Oh, it was shortly after, and and he was supposed to be like that generation's Robert De Niro. Yeah, and it would have been so exciting to see what they did together yeah. more, yeah. like later down the lines, but... Such a strong actor. It's so good, that yeah. film, what it, it like says about, I don't know, it's just trying to belong and trying to find your footing and dealing with your demons and, yeah. I don't know, relationships with people, romantic, otherwise. 
I don't know. There's so much to that movie. And I think I saw that. I think I saw that on like a seven, the, what is the large format? Not 70 like, millimeter? 70 millimeter, yes. And that was, it was the first 70 millimeter I'd seen and just seeing that film on that scale mm-hmm. and just like seeing the grain and, cause I think he shot it like on 16 yeah. millimeter. Yeah. Uh, can't, that was, man, there's so many good movies, Ken. I, there's too many good movies. You got a good list. Thanks. Um, my mentions for the year, the ones that pain me, The Master, Beasts of the Southern Wild, and Perks of Being a Wallflower, mm. uh, which was a, a weirdly affecting movie for me. I was not expecting Yeah, I remember it. enjoying that movie. Um, but it, it really kind of hit me in the feels. Uh, but those, sorry, got to shove them aside. Mm. Uh, my runners-up, Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. uh, which... Uh, is probably not worthy of being on a kind of top list, but this is where we go to favorites. This yeah, is one I just enjoy like watching. Too. I would never say that Cabin in the Woods is somehow a better film than Beasts of the Southern Wild. It just, it's... You said like, that earlier. What? You told me that earlier. Oh, like, yeah, you well, know. I'm a liar. So <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with Cabin in the Woods, it's, it's I love genre bending. I yeah. love people playing with expectation and stereotypes and and cliches and things like that. And that movie just has so much fun playing in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. It's it's wonderful. Even from the opening two minutes where it's it's a genuine, am I watching the right movie? Right, right. Uh, great. Yeah. My second runner-up was Django Unchained. Mm. Uh, this is one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Um, it's, it's by no means a perfect movie. It's not one of his best. I think that's still inglorious. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just from the performances to the writing to the visuals to the, some of the things that that he was trying to do, this is this is a movie I'll come back to just to watch Jamie Fox uh, and Christoph Waltz just get in front of the camera and play. Mm-hmm. You can just tell that they are at the top of their craft in this movie. Um, I just really enjoyed that. But my number one pick of the year uh, was uh, Mud. Oh yeah, and uh, that was, Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey uh, just kills it. The young actors in this movie yep. kill it. Uh, this is such a small and quiet drama about a a young boy who meets this kind of on the lamb criminal, and they strike up a, a kind of a, a friendship. And it by no means goes in any strange directions. It's it's not one of those movies. Um, it's it's just a, a little character drama. And I've come back to it several times over the years, and it, it hits me yeah. squarely every time I watch it. And it moves me every time I watch it. And that's the biggest thing I kept noticing about all my top picks. These were all movies that I have had a significant emotional reaction with. Mm-hmm. Um, every single one. And uh, For some reason, Mud ended up on my 13. It yeah. must have been a weird. Maybe. That might you're, have been one of You're probably right, but I, I just. That would have been on my least top five. But yeah, so Mud Mud was my my top of 2012. That's a so great 2011. Movie. Winding down almost to 210. Yeah. Um, so my runner-up for that year was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, David, I forgot that came out that year. Yeah, David Venture's one. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo mm-hmm. with Daniel Craig, Rooney Mara. Um, so good. <laughs> so good. So good. Venture. Venture. Fincher at his Fincheriest. Yeah. Uh he's he's really uh he's he's 
one point in that movie. Yeah, and it's just amazing what he could do with like this kind of pulpy mm-hmm. novel that you would buy at the airport. Yeah, and just the tone he gets out of it. And um, I had watched the original version. That was it. The um, you remember the original trilogy of mm-hmm. them? Yeah. I could not get into them. Yeah, I, I the first one was okay, but yeah. I, I had a hard time with the other two. Yeah, just never really. But but his version, I really clicked with. Yeah, he just did everything. Like it's me. just Fincher, and it's just uh, he <laughs> knows how to push my buttons. I guess yeah, that definitely would have been somewhere on my list. I I completely forgot it. Yeah, or missed it. All right, what's your top then? My top is Drive. <sighs> yeah, so Nicholas Winding Refn. Mm-hmm. Directed it, starring Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan, and some other folks. <laughs> folks, folks. Yeah, I did it on purpose yeah, that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was blown away by this film. I remember being excited for it when I saw the trailer, um, but then just I, I know there's been a lot of movies since who have kind of tapped into what this film did, mm-hmm. where it's dealing like with kind of this retro 80s vibe where it's synth scores and um, neon. and um, But this was kind of the first one to do it. And just the whole atmosphere of his films or so, yeah. it's just just all atmosphere. and But this one has a lot to chew on and just the actors do such a good job with enhancing that. And yeah. it's another one where I think about and it it's it's just constantly um, kind of in the back of my mind, and uh, yeah, drive. Drive. <laughs> I haven't watched that in a while. It's very good. Oh yeah. It uh, it made my mentions. Uh, mm-hmm. Hugo and Drive were the ones I had to kind of shove aside. Uh-huh. Uh, and Drive, it was just because um, I remember having a really strong reaction to it and loving it. I just haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. And that was one when I was putting this together. I was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta go back and watch Drive again," but I just didn't get a chance. Uh, my tops are uh, Crazy Stupid Love, uh-huh. which uh, my love for Crazy Stupid Love is many things, uh, but one of them not is stupid because though. It's not stupid. One of them is because I hate romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. I despise and loathe no other genre more than romantic <laughs> comedies. But Crazy Stupid Love does. What if every romantic comedy did? I would love that genre for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it surprises. It has fun. It does not go in expected directions. Much like La La Land, it is not about a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And yet the characters all have happy endings. <laughs> but it's that kind of true to life. Yeah, things aren't going to work out the way you thought, but you can still piece together a, a good life after something goes wrong. Right. Um, and I just. I I just adore it. Our our friend worked on it. John worked on it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an assistant director or, or somewhere up through there. Uh, but you know, while that got me to the movie, that is not uh, why I loved it. And I have come back to this movie uh, a crazy stupid amount of times. Don't do that. There you go. I did it. I did it. <laughs> and I'm confident with mm. it. I have watched this movie a crazy stupid amount of times. <laughs> Double down. Goodness. And uh, I quit. I, just, I love it. <laughs> Uh, my second runner-up was Tree of Life. Yeah. Uh, Tree of Life is much like some of these other movies I've talked about, or I, I would even favorably compare it to Under the Skin. Yeah. Uh, but not in the way that it unsettles, but just in the way that it plays with imagery and pacing. Uh, 
in a way that 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 made me have a response to it. Mm-hmm. I love Tree of Life. Brad Pitt's me really too. good in Tree of Life. Uh, probably the only distraction in there is I really, really, really don't like Sean Penn. Oh, really? Uh, he does a fine job in mm. it. He's just so Sean Penny. Oh, I don't have a it. problem with Sean uh, Penn. He so. just he has his dour Sean Penn face. And it makes me think like Sean Penn's not happy to be here. And it matches the character. It's just total bias. But every time I'm just like, Sean Penn, if you don't like it, you can get out. <laughs> but uh, the the sequence uh, that it does with with kind of um, where it flashes into the past mm-hmm. and the genesis of the universe, uh, that blew me away. Uh, and just that movie does so much yeah, uh, with its visuals mm-hmm. and with its theme and its music and uh, – Love yeah, it. me too. Uh, my top for the year, though, yet another. This socked me right in the heart, and uh, just pulled every heartstring and brought me to tears. Still brings me to tears. You're crying now. I am. I am weeping. Mm-hmm. Is the Descendants with George Clooney? Oh yeah. This movie affects me on a profound level. Mm. It's about a man whose wife is passing away, and he discovers that she's been cheating on him. And so here's his wife in a coma. He can't do anything about it. He can't talk to her about it. He still loves her. He's still taking care of her. He's trying to take care of his kids, but he's finding out she had this other life. Mm-hmm. This this movie, uh, if you want to talk about tears... This movie probably brings me to tears faster, more often, and harder than any other movie uh, consistently. It just, it was my top movie that year in 2011. It's still my top movie of the year. And I just absolutely love that movie. So before I start crying, <laughs> 2010. Yeah. Let's do this. So my runner up for the year was Inception. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring mm-hmm. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and a bunch of other folks. Directed in a half by Christopher Nolan. He's he's like at 1.5 on this movie. 1.5? Well, instead of 1. Uh, I don't, you know, like a... <laughs> there was some other like in- dimensional part of him directing. <laughs> Is that... He's just, he's, he's, he's definitely upping his game. Oh, okay. With Inception. Right. Wow. He had to do something after the Batman. Absolutely. Uh, so yes, I mean, what I mean, what else has been said about Inception? It's great, uh, amazing film at the time. Still great, still great, and still just watching the way that he stacks the different timelines yeah. uh, and and lines them all up, and you you understand where characters are in relation to each other, even yeah. if they're moving at a different time speed. That's the thing Incredible. about that film too. There's so many people, like I always like can still hear people saying like they don't understand what happened in that film. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it like is laid out very well. Yeah. It's pretty easy to follow. I know it's like the concept is pretty crazy, but I feel like he did a really good job of organizing all of the layers to yeah. it. Well, and that was even one I remember us talking about at the time, because even our first time walking out of it, we saw it together. Yeah. That was another gravity-like experience. For like, sure. Whoa. Yeah. But the first time we walked out of it, I remember in the coming week, we were really surprised that people were like, oh, you really have to see this again. Like, I want to see it again, right. but I don't have to. I I understood yeah. pretty much all of it the first time. Yeah. And I thought, did I? And I went back and watched it the second time. Like, no, I I got yeah. it all the first time. Yeah. I, and I, that's not I'm trying to say, like, I think I'm really smart or anything. No, I just, just think he communicated just, yeah. everything he needed to communicate in that first pass. Right. I, I never felt lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, excellent, excellent movie. 
Um, but my top for the year was Black Swan. Oh, Black Swan. Yeah. By Darren Aronofsky again. I would not have thought that hit your top. Okay. Really? Yeah. This was like a transformation of, of a like movie experience really? for me. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Transformative. Transformative. Um, with yeah, with Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, who man, I'm surprised she hasn't done much more like thing mm-hmm. like this. Um, Vincent Cassel. Well, it was interesting because Natalie Portman got a lot of the attention about yeah. that, even though they're both doing, I think equal level performances and, and work in that movie. Yeah. But it really was a Natalie Portman. Yeah. I can centric. understand that, but she did a good job in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the things it's dealing with, just mm-hmm. the being an artist and the creative process and like giving into the creative process mm-hmm. and so many layers to that film and just a really interesting way to tell it through this semi-horror story about becoming the thing you don't know if you really want to. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's great. Um, It's one that I will... I know I've had conversations with other friends who thought it wasn't... Like, oh, it's going to be the ballerina movie? I don't want to see that. And then they see it and they're like, oh, that's what that is? Oh, that was great. So, yeah, it's like so surprising. You think it's going to be this one thing, but it's... And uh, I think that's another one where it's shot like on 16 millimeter. So it just has this like text, like feel to it. You Mm -hmm. just feel the grain of it and just works into every corner of it. And it's really interesting. And that was one like under the skin. It really, it, it unsettled, like physically unsettled Mm -hmm. me at different points. But it has, and also has that almost whiplash Mm -hmm. moment at the end where it it goes for it. And it just feels like... Oh yes, like you like feel the power of what like nope. he was trying to do, and I I think maybe from my list you can tell like I like a movie that unsettles me, uh-huh. makes me feel something like sad, happy, or uh, all the other emotions. I want to be like like taken somewhere on this emotional thing, even if it's dark and unsettling. Uh, my mentions were Black Swan, mm-hmm. uh, and then Scott Pilgrim and Toy Story Three. Toy Story 3 still reduces me to childhood trauma. Uh-huh. It just, it destroys me. Uh, but my runners-up were Inception, which, mm. man, if you haven't seen Inception at this point, uh, it just popped up randomly on Netflix. So mm. you have no excuse anymore. Inception's great. Yeah. Uh, the remake of True Grit. Oh. Uh, True yeah. Grit by the Coen brothers. Uh, this has Jeff Bridges. Uh, and it's it's... I have watched this way more than the first time I saw it, I thought I would watch it. Mm, yeah. The first time I saw it, I thought it was great, but I I would have never thought this is a movie that's going to stick with me. And and I'll feel that pull when I'm like, man, what do I want to watch? I'm, I'm in a certain mood. And it just, that's one of those movies that suddenly pops to the top of my list like True Grit. Yeah. And it, it gives me a very specific response when I watch it. I feel a very specific way. And I just... Everything from the writing, the language, the dialects, to the performances, to the cinematography, uh, to some of the the eccentricities with the characters. I, I absolutely am just infatuated with that movie. But number one pick for 2010 is Social Network. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Social Network is this weird it, – it also is this magnet movie for me, and I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. I, every time I've watched this movie, I'm like, why do I like this so much? <laughs> I don't like the Mark Zuckerberg character. I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. 
I don't there's not a particularly grand aspect to the story. It's just about this kid who basically steals an idea and turns it into a company and he's kind of an awful human being. Why do I love this movie? And I can watch it. Yeah, I can it's watch great. it every day and yeah. it just everything from from the dialogue to uh just some of the more inspired music sequences. Well, the music's fantastic. Oh. Trent Reznor. Yeah. Again, yeah. Alec Ross. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's not really about Mark Zuckerberg. No, it's about this. Um, it's about hubris. It's about yeah. uh, ambition. It's about uh, thinking more of yourself than you are. Mm-hmm. It's a lot rolled in there. That's a, I mean, that's the thing about Fincher. He can just make yeah. something interesting out of something that maybe would have been mundane yeah. or felt like the um, what's the one Steve Jobs film by yeah. with uh, Ashton Kutcher, yeah. where it's like it could have been this typical biopic. But he really delves into the corners of what is underneath of the character yeah. in these interesting ways. I mean, he always does that. And yeah. it's, well, and the, I mean, he can make walking across a campus feel like a climactic event. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are scenes in this movie where somebody's just moving from point A to point B between the music and the way the camera sweeps in and the stakes that have been set. Uh, you just you really feel like this is this monumental conflict when really it's just about intellectual property. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about people arguing about intellectual property. Yeah, uh, it should not be what it is. And right up to that last line, that last little moment in the movie about who he is and uh, what his actual weakness is—that mm-hmm. he thinks he's one thing, but he's really not. Right. Uh, he just really wants to be. He wants to be the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, It'd be really interesting if he did another movie about him now <laughs> yeah. with where he's gone. Yeah. Jesse Eisenberg bring yep. him back. That would be so amazing. Like wow. to re like go through his life and just investigate where he might be now. Sometime like we did with extended cuts, we should do dream sequels <laughs> and just that kind of thing. That yeah. would be really interesting because there's probably a couple movies where I've been left thinking, "Oh man, I want to see I want to see something later." But yeah, social network. All right, so that that takes us through. Why don't you recap your tops going from 2019 to 2010? I'll do the same, then we'll talk about our top 5. Uh top for 2019 was Midsummer. Top for 18 was the Favorite. 17 was Blade Runner. 16 was The Lobster, 15 Mad Max Fury Road, 14 Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, 13 Under the Skin, 12 The Master, 11 Drive, and 10 was Black Swan. And mine counting down from 2019 was 1917, Uh, 2018 was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, 17 was Blade Runner 2049. Uh, 16 was La La Land, 15 was Mad Max Fury Road, 14 was Whiplash, 13 was Gravity, 12 was Mud, 2011 was The Descendants, and then 2010 was The Social Network. So, not in any particular order, just of those 10, what were your five of the decade? Um, so, my five uh, were Mad Max... What We Do in the Shadows, Under the Skin, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Hereditary. So I wanted a kind of little mix of everything. Okay. All right. My top five were Mad Max Fury Road, Whiplash, Blade Runner 2049, Social Network, and La La Land. Those were kind of my happy place movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
all of those films are wiped out in a horrible uh, nuclear accident. You only have one movie robotic left. Robotic uprising of robotic some Robotic uprising. AI has decided to torture humanity by stripping it of all films but one. Mm-hmm. What is that film that you hope you're left with? Mad Max Fury Road. <sighs> okay. Yeah. I really thought mine was going to be Mad Max. Mm-hmm. I really did. And here's what I did to figure it out. I took... <laughs> The two movies that I was really going back and forth between Mad Max and Whiplash. Mm-hmm. And I physically took them off my shelf and I set them on the top oh my of my shelf. Gosh. And I looked at them yeah. and I thought, which movie am I going to write this second spend two hours with? And it shocked me because it was Whiplash. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, uh-uh. this can't be right. But so this I, is the last movie you want to see forever? I physically <laughs> took the movies and put them back on my shelf. This gets pathetic, Clint. It hasn't already? (laughs) (laughs) The next day, I went back down. I pulled them off my shelf, and I put them up. You did this multiple days? I did this four days in a row. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) I put them back up, and I was like, which movie? It was Mad Max. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. Put them back on my shelf. There's some mental illness here, okay? (laughs) Yes, I can see it. I'm the same person that watched Muppet Christmas Carol way too many times. Third day, I went back and put them up mm. there, and I was like, it's Whiplash. How does this keep coming to Whiplash? Because I thought Mad Max was my was my movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I said, okay, well, well, now, you know, maybe the fourth day is a tie, and i got to keep doing this. How am I going to pick? Fourth day was Whiplash, too. That means... I need to go. <laughs> That means four out of seven days, uh, or excuse me, three out of the four, yeah. three out of seven days, I was just like, it's got to be Whiplash. And and that just, I can't wrap my head around it. But yeah, I, I, would, I would rather watch that last 20 minutes of Whiplash than I think anything else. And mm-hmm. man, Mad Max is, is a tough one to shove aside, but Whiplash, crazy. You want to know what I did to pick? <laughs> sure. Well... Can I just point out Five you're the one that went to the Spielberg vaults and found a speech by Jaws last week uh, or two weeks ago, um, but now you're going to criticize my taking two movies and putting them on top of a shelf? Go on. I did the work. Criticize away, Mr. Jones. Five minutes before we did this thing, you told me you had this. So you told me, pick something. So I did. Well, like a man. <laughs> what you should have done is gone into my basement. Uh, and For five days, <laughs> Kenny wouldn't let me leave until each day I picked a movie. Just pull them off the shelf and you, you have to stare at them and just see which one your heart wants. Whiplash. Crazy. Are you ready for Cinetron 3000? Uh, yeah. I would like to know if the Cinetron 3000 is about to give us a movie that uh, will make our next decade's list. So let's spin it.
You haven't seen this. Uh, ghost stories? Ghost stories? Yeah. Which, which not, ghost stories? Not a ghost story with the guy in the sheet. Okay. This is the, I think, British one. Martin about, yeah. Short? No, not Martin Short. <laughs> no, not Martin Short. Martin Freeman. Yes. I wish Martin Short was in it. He makes everything better. <laughs> All right. So this is the Ghost Stories with Martin Freeman. Yeah, and this, I've already this seen on this. Netflix or it's, this is Hulu? It's on Hulu. Oh, no, I've already no. seen this, but I'm excited to watch it again. And I okay. think we'll have fun talking about it. All right. It. Well, this this fills me with a little bit of ease because the Cinetron 3000 has not been very Last week it was good. To us. It was good last week. This yeah. is two in a row, which makes me worry. The first one was good, too. Next. Slow West was good. Slow West was good. It was decent. It wasn't um, painful. It wasn't I, Rambo. I had a hard time. It was not Grambo. I had a hard time with Everything is Beautiful, or Everything Beautiful is Far Away. That was a fine film. It was a film. <laughs> <laughs> so this week... I'll we be wrong. This week, Ghost Stories. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. You and, actually might not like this film. Okay. Usually when you say that, I, I feel like it's a challenge, and I find myself I'm trying, liking it. No, I'm trying to think because you did not like In Fabric. I did not like In Fabric. So you, it has that sensibility a little bit. Ooh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. I but will, not, I don't know. We'll see. I will guard myself, and in one arm I will hold Mad Max Fury Road, and in the <laughs> other arm I will hold Whiplash. I think they have a restraining order against you. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, I'm not going to make that joke. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> for the best. All right. So I, I'm really happy with our list. That was good fun. I mm. was like, when we get to kind of look back over film, it's interesting to me that even films that are 10 years old, once we got talking about them, you can just still hear as if we watched them for the first time yesterday, mm. the passion in somebody's voice when they're recounting an experience in the theater or they're remembering the first time they saw a movie that really hit them right in the face. Uh, and I, I, I love that. That's the thing I love about film so much. It's the thing I don't understand when somebody's just like, yeah, movies aren't my thing. Like, how? <laughs> how have you not seen that movie that just makes you want to find that next movie that, that does that same kind of thing in your heart and mind? I uh, just, I love it. I yeah. love it, I love it, I love it. They probably have important jobs where it's, people rely on them. Maybe. Still. I don't know. Stories. My stories. <laughs> I love my stories. You do love your stories. I do love my Too stories. much. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 16. Uh, thanks for joining us. And until episode 17, uh, don't forget to go to cinebabblecast.com. Uh, send us an email or check out what's coming next. Uh, listen to an old podcast or two. And, you know, maybe if you love us, go to iTunes and throw us a couple of stars, preferably not a couple, preferably five, and a nice little review. Uh, and, and help some strangers find us. That'd be good fun. All right. Well, this has been Shameless Self-Promotion. Uh, I don't like that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> it makes me feel dirty and bad. Good, it's a good part. No, it's I good. don't like you gotta, it. You got to enjoy Let it. Let me give me a warning next time. I might leave the room when that happens. <laughs> I don't like it. Nope. You got to, you got to, you got to. Mm, no. Mm, tastes good. Mm-mm. Tastes good. No. Tastes it goes good. down like a <laughs> salty little pill. It's bad. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye.